Thank you to the Tony White Dancers for our theme and welcome to episode 12 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and joining this podcast today is, in alphabetical order, Alison, Daniel, Kim and Prue. Thank you for coming back for this episode and we have a very special guest for this one. He's a Late Show fan and operator of the Instagram account, the Late Show underscore Champagne Comedy and podcast listener, Mason. Hello. Hi, Mason. Thank you for having me. And um, can I just say straight off the bat that I'm, I'm, I feel a bit weird. You guys all come dressed formally. This is very confusing <laughs> for me. Daniel over there, I think I can see a cummerbund, I'm sure. But um, I've come dressed. This is this is incredibly awkward for me. I've come dressed as Steve Stinger Aris. I think that's his name from the Larder Car Commercial. So um, the, 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 the two two from last week. I feel weird. Sorry about this. I get it. Look, yeah, I get a bit um, upset with that because I've met him several times, and he uh, gets a bit upset when I uh, mispronounce his name. So my apologies if he's listening. <laughs> Welcome to board, Mason. That was fantastic. Thanks. Hello, guys. Yes. Uh, and uh, does it only come in pink that you're wearing? Your tutu? Yes. <laughs> I've got several of them behind me. Yeah. <laughs> when did you uh, become a big fan of The Late Show? Well, it was 1992 and it was season one and it was probably about episode eight or nine that I started watching it weekly that I discovered it. I, my, my brothers were watching it before that and I sort of stumbled upon it and I made fun of them at the time for watching this stupid ABC show and then I sat down and I was like this is pretty fucking funny and and um, ended up um, sticking around so yes fan ever since and sorry just to mention the Instagram account um, it's very poorly run it's nowhere near as good as the uh, what you guys are doing up on um, Facebook and um, Twitter so uh, to my 400 or followers or something that I have. Um, <laughs> my apologies that it's a mere shadow of what the brilliant work Matt and the rest are doing up there. Uh, we all try our best, but at the end of the day, it's just probably the best part of the internet that we've all got that is yeah. just away from the actual reality itself. So we just put up random shit. There's always that one person who kicks up the stink and you just go, forget about it because it is a, a product of its time. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I'll keep that to a minimum, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> is it, is it or or you, you treat it like a warner key. Oh, yeah, I can always. <laughs> warner key. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's very good to put a face and a voice to the name because um, Mason's also been a very uh, prolific poster to the Champagne Comedy Forums over the years and is just as equally as big a fan as we are. Thanks, Kim. And Kim, you were running a um, a website back in um, I think it was nineteen ninety six that yeah. I first discovered, and there was you had like a quiz on there um, that I, I went on to and and guest book, and I was um, loving that back in the day. So my hat is firmly doffed to you for your brilliant work. Late show cap, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I remember those guest books. Yeah. Oh, and Alison actually has her oh, cap. She well, does too. Wow. Yeah. Nah. yeah. Well, the, oh, the, cap oh. will, <laughs> the cap will actually appear in, in this episode a bit later. Yes. But we'll we'll yes. talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. Mm. We have a bit of. 
In regards to episode 11, we have an email from Peter Phoebe, who is uh, a.k.a. Pete the Clown from Champagne Comedy Forums. He does have one or two things to mention about episode 11. This is in regards to Papa Luigi's Pizza, the Things Us Walks Will Never Do sketch thing that Santo did that we all know and love. And in Victoria, this is when it was first going to air, the starting time for episode 11 was around 10.20 or 10.25 due to the Victorian election coverage. So that did push it a little bit further into the night. And yep, the other thing so the other thing was the Puppet Luigi sketch. I'm reading this directly off the email, so I apologise for any typos or anything. The other thing is the Puppet Luigi sketch and that around 2009-2010, a pizza place nearby... My place in Preston, which has consistently gone under different name changes and management in its time, was named Papa Luigi, and he did take some photos of it at the time, and which I've already posted the photos out on the at TLS Champagne account, and then managed to pass on the photos to Santo when he went to a taping of Santo Semenet's Cup Fever during the 2010 World Cup. And when he got the photos, <laughs> he was thankful for him. So, yeah, Santo eventually got the photos and he's gone. Cool. It's it's always good when a fan interaction like that goes well, considering last week uh, with the, the brush with Imran Khan. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. As you saw by the photo, yeah, he, he was thrilled. <laughs> Also, uh, Michael Billings as well just happened to send a message through saying that uh, that he bumped into Jason Stevens while he was a lifeguard. Not Jason Stevens, but this guy, Michael Billings. <laughs> he was a lifeguard in the mid-2000s and Jason was just happy to be recognised. It was at the North Melbourne Pool in 2004. I would love to meet Jason. I think it's sad that um, he um, felt excited just to be recognised. He should be more recognised, damn it. Do you feel like he's a bit of the underappreciated member of the team. I do. What do you guys? What do you guys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, all, all of the others have kind of gone on to, you know, continue to work in show business and everything. And so there's there's been lots of interviews with them in the press over the years. But Jason, I don't think, has ever been interviewed, or, or if he has, you know, maybe once or twice. So he's probably got some really interesting insights into the late show that we've just never heard about. So yeah, definitely. I'd I'd be interested in in hearing more from him. Yeah, if we if we ever do uh, hear from Jason, it's usually in his role as a TV exec nowadays. He was the guy behind Choir of Hard Knocks. Prue, without giving away where you actually work, have you met any of them? Oh yes. In, in my previous job, I would happen to be in the same vicinity that they were filming. Um, what was the first one? It wasn't Santo Seminate, it was like Cup Fever or something. We saw them quite regularly in the green room area. And in fact, one of my friends accidentally drank Santo's ginger beer from the free. <laughs> That's all I oh, This is a revelation. So, so Santo, he doesn't like curry, he doesn't like spam, but he does like ginger beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does, yeah. It was it was quite a cool thing. It was sort of like I had to calm down and just pretend like I wasn't a fan because Santo had kind of been to uni with one of my work colleagues and so it was really kind of casual. Oh, hi, Santo, and I like that. And I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. but that, I think that was my first introduction into how kind working dog can be like if you've ever had the opportunity to go to one of their recordings or anything 
sometimes I'll do a waiting list. Like if you, you know, if the whole audience doesn't turn up and you haven't made the list, but you can sort of sneak in, like if someone doesn't turn up. And I was one of those people once and I didn't get in because, of course, they're so popular that most people just always turn up. And they gave you like a goodie bag. And in the goodie bag is all these books and hats and pens and things like that. And I've been to a few a few other things a few other times and they're always giving you heaps of stuff. They give you food. They give you drinks. It's really kind of nice because I suppose you know that like most TV stations have stopped doing that. I don't know if it's illegal now to give people a glass of wine, but... When you go to a TV audience, you don't get anything these days. One more bit of feedback, and I managed to track the person down. This is in regards to episode 10 of The Late Show. Uh, it was the shit scared episode where Rob gets the plastic surgery done, and when it, the unveiling happened, it became Bruno Lucia. Well, <laughs> I finally caught up with Bruno. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Yay. Uh, <laughs> how thrilling. Now, I had a chat to him briefly about appearing on this in regards to uh, it was a conversation which I was having with him for another uh, project altogether and this is what he actually had to say in regards to the scene that he stepped in um, as the plastic surgery Rob. Mate I've got to tell you this I'd forgotten about that and uh, I remember I was it was during a break I was doing a show in Adelaide and I had to come back it was just a one-off you know club that I did you know two nights in Adelaide and I came back to Melbourne and um I obviously knew of the degeneration, but I hadn't seen that previous sketch that they'd done, all that character, and um, so I quickly had a look. And uh, oh, mate, I was uh, I was nervous as anything meeting them, you know, because I, you know, I was in awe of those guys. I I loved them. <laughs> we had a great laugh. It was easy to do. You know, it was over in uh, ten or fifteen minutes. So wonderful to work with. So uh, I think Santo was um, directing that at the time too. They were rating very, very well at the time, weren't they? They were looking some big goals. It was quite a popular show at that time, wasn't it? I was also, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, but they just, you know, it was, once they explained it, it was, uh, yeah, no, it was so easy to do. So, yeah, it was in all. Nice. Well done, man. I'm just investigating the hard questions and bits and stuff <laughs> behind the scenes. So if you're an extra or you played a small bit, oh, I'm after you. You didn't get him to say chicky, babe, which, you know... <laughs> There's a couple of points there. That's it for the feedback. Now, Daniel, are you ready for your program guide? Yep, sure am. So uh, this is what was up against Season 1, Episode 12, uh, and this uh, is coming from the TV listings in the Melbourne Age, uh, which also carry um, critiques of uh, what's in there by uh, Ross Warnicke. On Channel 7, uh, we had the final of a two-part US miniseries called The Drug Wars. Uh, starring Craig T. Nelson and Stephen Bauer. Um, it's all about the drug enforcement agencies working in Latin America. Tonight's D- DEA agent Kiki Camarena is dead, uh, spoiler alert, uh, but the agency trails his killer, a young Mexican drug lord, to Costa Rica. Then on Channel 9, uh, Hey Hey, It's Saturday had uh, singers Mark Williams, Lisa Edwards and John Williamson and actress Josephine Burns, followed at 8.30 by uh, Calamity Jane, a 1953 musical Western romance. Um, and it's the first of a Doris Day double bill. The other uh, movie is 1951's On Moonlight Bay. Calamity Jane sees the epitome of American cinematic sweetness cast as a tomboy come cowgirl who wins the heart of Wild Bill Hickok, played by Howard Keel. Uh, says Warnicke, undemanding entertainment, unquote. 
And um, you, you, you might want to remember that um, Calamity Jane aired this week because it will come up in the next episode. Uh, yeah. Over on Channel 10, we had tennis, the Australian Indoor Championships, delayed coverage of the, that evening's games at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. Then on SBS, we had a 1970 Hungarian black and white drama called The Falcons. Ivan Andonov plays a young man visiting a Falcon training camp who at first is attracted to, but then rebels against the camp leader's demands for blind obedience from birds and men alike. Oh, God. SBS <laughs> always seems to come up with the, the really hard black and white dramatic stuff compared to uh, everyone else. On the ABC, we've got, um, before the late show at 9.30, we've got the second last episode in the season of Alexi Sales' stuff. Then at 10 o'clock, he puts next to uh, the listening for the late show irreverent but too often offensive humour. He's obviously still watching. I think he must be one of those hate watchers. <laughs> before that uh, before that term was coined in the internet era. Then at 11 o'clock, Order in the House, uh, and at midnight, Rage with Kylie Minogue. Um, and that's it for TV. Thank you very much, Daniel. And now it's time to break down Season 1, Episode 12 of The Late Show, broadcast Saturday, October 10th, 1992. And we have the opening, which is uh, tonight's program, is brought to you by Nolene Fragrance. Put it on or drink it. Also available in six-pack. And... <laughs> Even though it's just a podcast, Kim actually has that as her wallpaper. Yes, yes I do. 68% alcohol, which is not quite enough to be hand sanitizer. I think it has to be 70%, but it's, it's almost there. Oh, well, there you go. There's a 30th out of it. <laughs> so after the opening titles, we have the opening remarks with Mick and Tony, who are dressed to the nines. La-dee-da. Look yeah. out, ladies. Only on top, though, as, as there's a sort of, uh, you know, a wider shot of them, we, we see that they're actually wearing black jeans. <laughs> <laughs> so Mick points out the opening intro was not Nolene's perfume, but the booze bottle <laughs> distilled in France. It was a good little add-on, I thought, of Mick to do that little joke, but I also didn't understand that I didn't think it needed more on it. Like it was just, it was like as if he said, you know that joke? I didn't write it. Here's my joke. It's funny, and we should have used this. Yeah, not not, not a bad line, really, from uh, from Mick saying that, that a little later on he'll be off his nut on Nolene. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So Sylvania Waters has wrapped up. Oh, what a shame. And the show <laughs> gave the Donahers so much hell. After they made the decision that TV will no longer be part of their lives, the Donahers sat down to watch the final episode as a family alongside with the hard copy crew. Yes, I have this anecdote in the Sylvania Waters diary, which is... The which Bible. Is it's, I think it's, it's the third outing. I think three three episodes in a row I've had to bring it out and get <laughs> out of it. Um, do, but there do, is, do read us another extract there. Yes, yes I shall. Um, so basically, yes, it is correct. The hard copy crew were there to witness the Donahers watching the last episode together. Um, for the evening of the last episode, she says, we planned a barbecue with a few close friends and we also agreed to have Channel 10 present to film the reaction from us after this final show. I think we were all a little sad that night because it had been a big step for us and Laurie and I had grown quite fond of watching our children on a Tuesday night at 9.30pm. I was visibly very upset after the show. I had obviously bottled up a lot of my feelings and emotions for the last 12 weeks. After being asked a number of questions, I broke down and cried. 
there were probably some tears of joy as well because deep down I was very proud of my family and my decision almost 12 months previously to submit us all to this documentary was, despite what some people might think, a huge personal success for me. And then she goes on to say, all that remained for us now was to live in hope that Channel 10 would televise through their show hard copy that final night with all its happiness and sorrow as it actually happened. We prayed that they would not edit to create sensationalism as the ABC and BBC had done throughout the series. Channel 10 promised they would show it as it was and to their credit, they did. The interviewers and crew from Channel 10 were very thoughtful. They could see that I was upset and did not push too far with the interview. They left us in peace, and for that I do thank them. We had a great barbecue on that final Tuesday with our friends, the Channel 10 crew, people from the Daily Telegraph, Mira, our manager, Brian Walsh, and just assistant, Priscilla Rogers. Everyone was happy. And then there's a, I think from the Daily Telegraph, Mira, there's a, a little article there to, which talks about the hard copy interview as well as the Lotto commercial which um, is also mentioned in the introduction. Um, The television advertisement has Nolene and Laurie squabbling over whether it was number 30 or 31, which came from the lotto wheel during a draw, and it's expected to be shown from October 16. So that was what was broadcast. I'm surprised they didn't mention Burke's Backyard, Real Life, Andrew Denton, Couchman, Hinch and the other events. (laughs) Funniest part of all that was her using the word documentary. (laughs) <laughs> I'm amazed that, that it was hard copy that seemed to have the lightest touch there really you would have thought if there was any organisation that was going to sensationalise uh, Sylvania Waters yeah it would be hard copy on Channel 10 um, Matt have you tried reaching out to the Donahers I'd love to hear what they think about all this I don't know if it ended up in the previous podcast but they do live in my city so, or that's the last time I read, and that was in 2017. So maybe they could live right next door. I do live in a bogan suburb, so it suits it perfectly. I think you'd know if they live next door because you know, there'd, be, there'd be a massive pile of bottles outside yes. for one. That BWS truck, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan Murphy's daily deliveries, I assume. Uh, as uh, they mentioned as well, that uh, they've been on more shows than Georgie Parker. That's an early joke of Georgie Parker bashing. And uh, Tony always has warned, hands off Nolene, which uh, gets Mick a <laughs> fire Leave in the lawn. Leave Nolene alone! <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I will uh, say I do actually have the their little songs that they did. Mr. Sandman. I do, yeah, I do like all of the reading of Wendy's pretty harsh, isn't it? 
<laughs> I think for me, the line, the sexy siren from Sylvania Waters just kills me every time I hear it. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I do like how at the end they sort of lay into the fact that this is even a TV show, essentially. And, you know, like, they, you know, some, somebody managed to sell it to the BBC. I think it was actually a joint production. So, yeah, because the BBC paid for the production, the ABC paid for the booze. <laughs> <laughs> no, no wonder the ABC has no money. It's still paying off the gender. <laughs> it was great that comment about fire in the loins. Like the audience oh, yeah. just went off at that. They yeah. loved it. I think it sort of also um, keeps harking back to um, what you were talking about in a couple of episodes ago where um, Mick's um, developing us this real sex symbol on the show. So for him to say yeah. it's a fire in the loins, everyone's like, oh, yeah, there he goes. He's he's fired up again. <laughs> he's whipping up the ladies in the audience yeah. in particular, I think, Mick yeah. Malloy. Yeah. So popular, that's why they had to introduce Mick's love line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we now have... The news desk with Tommy G. Heading the news desk uh, headlines up. Airline officials baffled as Boeing aircraft lands with engines still attached. Oh, also, you. The, the, this is a very important thing. I think this is the first time that Tommy G is wearing a late show cap. Yes. Mm. Was it a prototype? Yeah, Ooh. because they ended up selling it in the ABC shop. And, and of course, Megan and I both have our late show caps with us. Yes, this- mine looks a bit worse for wear than yours. Alison, but after this episode, after this episode actually screened, I called the ABC and I said, um, and I just called up, you know, I was a 14-year-old kid or whatever I was, and I called up the ABC and I said, um, how can I get one of those late show caps? And like, oh, we're going to have to put you through to merchandise, call, put me through to merchandise. How do I get one of those late show caps? We're going to put you through to promotions, put me through to promotions. How do I get one of those late show caps? They put me through and I went through about, this is on a payphone, so I kept feeding in coins. Wow. They passed me, passed me around about 20 different people and they said, oh, yeah, they're not available right now. Okay, oh, um, so I, but I kept I kept calling every week or so. How can I get a late show cap? And I don't know if you well, you you'll, you guys will get to it when you get to the end of this season. But they actually put up late show caps now available at ABC stores. There's a little thing that comes up, mm. and I'm like, that was me. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Oh, oh, nice. well done. <laughs> hey, well done. <laughs> I'm sure there were thousands of us calling up. But, that is perseverance, though. I don't think the ABC had a communications department back then. Because, like, oh. I remember writing to the ABC asking them for a photo of Hugh Laurie, and they just no. wrote back and said, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of thought put into how to handle the teenager. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should test this. If, if I write to the ABC and ask for a photograph of Lee Sales, will they send me one? <laughs> You know. <laughs> Sizzlers in Kuwait opens to, despite shortage of chairs and there's some footage of you know their culture sitting down on the floor. Uh, officials rethink having Jim Richards address the United Nations. Now this is where the teaser trailer came in. Jim. Conditions a little crowded here. Next year is uh, another year, but uh, the Nissan GTRs have been all-powerful for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. The regulations said they could run, and you took advantage of those conditions, and the car proved to be uh, simply unconquerable. Yeah, thanks, uh, uh, Gary. I'm just really stunned for words. I can't believe the reception. I thought Australian race fans had a lot more to go than this. This is bloody disgraceful. 
hockey bracing, but I'll tell you what, this is going to remain with me for a long time. You're a pack of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. And if you're a car person, that all had to do with the Tui's 1000 and he raced the Nissan and uh, which was completely legal and everything but because people were so used to Holden versus Ford during the racing conditions it was pretty bad and he was the one who had done complete most completed laps and yeah by default he won so that's why everyone was being you're a pack of assholes <laughs> like, I'm not much of a sporting person and that's just an awesome clip well the entire clip is on YouTube so if you want to look it up Go straight there. It's fantastic to actually see the history of that, and mainly for this. You're a pack of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> is is yes. this going to go into your rotation of um, clips that you cut away to? <laughs> I've collected them all. <laughs> There's plenty more where that came from. I vote that's how every podcast episode should end. You're a pack of assholes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the search is on to find a place to dump Australia's nuclear waste and. Places consideration are Roxby Downs, uh, the Tanami Desert, and Sylvania Waters. So yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're they're really trying to get in all of the Sylvania Waters gags now that the series has ended. Uh, Sylvania Waters is over, thank goodness for that. And with the final scene of Nolene and Laurie heading towards the airport, and they show footage of an army truck speeding through Wartorn Road. <laughs> so that was. Perfect. British PM John Major blasts critics while addressing Conservative Party conference. He is sick of the anti-Europe criticism and sick of Ray Martin's audience showing up to his speeches. They were really old there, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But also there was a bloke standing behind John Major waving maniacally like this. Did anyone spot yeah. yeah, yeah, that really cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, what a goon that guy was!" Oh, he was brilliant. <laughs> Vandals raid Benny Hill's grave, and they show footage of the criminals in action. Out of respect for Hill, they sped the footage up, so that's on the best bits. Yeah, and and as uh, Tom says right after that, we weren't going to let it go by, were we? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting though that that whole incident. These grave robbers were digging it up because apparently he was buried with jewels and it said in the article that his um, coffin was smashed but his body was untouched and all this. And when I've read a few other articles, it's um, there was a plank of wood missing from his coffin or something. It's pretty horrible. It's a horrible thing. That's but scary. where did the whole jewels thing come from? Is that... Does Would have been another legend. That's... Was he known for his um, jewel wearing out in public? Like Liberace? I... How weird. Yeah. <laughs> quite Liberace but I've, I've seen photos of Benny Hill like in the 80s and I guess like a lot of kind of well-off men in that era he w- he'd had a few gold chains and and that kind of stuff but Mr. T style yeah yeah <laughs> not quite Mr. T level a bit, bit more subtle than that but mm. but he wasn't Liberace he wasn't wearing like massive rings with big diamonds in them and stuff he, it was just a few chains Really? Yeah, not worth grave robbing, I would have thought. Mm, No. That's extreme. We head to Ireland and they're going to hold a referendum on abortion. Questions to be voted on are, should abortion be illegal? Should a citizen be free to travel for an abortion? And should someone tell Sinead O'Connor she's a spiky-haired, overbearing, loudmouth with one hit and no talent who should stop forcing her ill-defined opinions on a largely disinterested audience? And the options being yes or yes. 
<laughs> for, for those so, interested in, in this topic, um, Ireland eventually did pass um, a bill to to decriminalise abortion in 2018. Wow. wow. So. So that's that's quite a long distance from, from 1992. The reason that they mentioned Sinead O'Connor is because one week previous to this, uh, Sinead O'Connor appeared on Saturday Night Live in the US as a musical guest and ripped up a photo of Pope John Paul II while seeing the word evil. Ooh. And, yeah, stoked up a real controversy about it, yeah. And the other thing I'll mention is um, in a 2002 interview, um, when asked if uh, she would change anything about what she did um, on SNL, uh, Sinead O'Connor replied, hell no. <laughs> Canberra, the government to end the imperial honours system. Oh, wow, hasn't that come full circle? Yeah. yeah. I, I can't believe it was this late that the Order of Australia was introduced. I thought it was it was introduced in the 80s. So this is, it was, I learned something. It was very prophetic because uh, Tommy D ended up becoming an AO himself. Well, was he uh, part of the fellow Order of Good Blokes? <laughs> no, just the Order of Dead Set Legends. Ah, yeah, he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't have suited the companion of the Order of Grouse Chicks. <laughs> His words, not ours. Uh, such an Aussie word, grass. Yeah. And Rose Hancock Porteous in court over alleged drug offences. Her new husband was in court too, as the court wanted to know what drugs he was on uh, to take an interest in, you know, what's her name? So, uh, but, you know, drug charges were dropped and so forth. So it was all yeah. alleged. Bit, bit, bit of a shitty joke, that one. Next one. Uh, next joke, please. Yep. Greg Matthews is fined uh, for appearing in an article to encourage people to give up smoking. The test team is sponsored by a cigarette manufacturer. Now, that was Benson and Hedges when yeah. cigarette smoking or cigarette products were very freely able to advertise. And this is where Greg, or shall I say Rob, was on the line in his fantastic Greg Matthews impression. What is absolutely pissed themselves at this, don't they? Because he Rob, Rob is yeah. kind of himself look like Greg Matthews by sort of puffing his cheeks out and, and he just just him before he even opens his mouth, just with the puffy cheeks. The audience are just absolutely cracking up. And uh, they're Rob laughing himself. Great tan and the earring are pretty special in this. I met him once and this was at a charity cricket gig thing for a community fundraiser thing. And I had a notepad. I, I don't have the signature now, but when I gave it to Greg to sign, he looked at it and goes, oh, mate, recycled paper, fantastic for the environment. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and when I walked away after it was signed, I looked at the thing and I thought, what a knob. This was like, this is savings brand notepad from Coles. <laughs> so it's like one of the worst ones you could buy. <laughs> at, at least it's turns out that he wasn't being sponsored by some sort of big, uh, you know, he wasn't sponsored by Spyrax. No. Yeah. <laughs> So um, no, no, no conflict of interest. Not at all. No. Yeah, it, it was sponsored by Big Paper. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone notice there's there's a, a woman's hand who is um, sort of moving the cigarette in and out of um, Greg slash Rob's mouth, and it's actually Jane's hand. Did anyone notice that? If you, mm. you, the, yeah. you see the jacket that the hand is wearing, you later see it's Jane's. So you know, yeah. there, there's a little hint that they're a couple there. Yeah, because we're, we're looking out for the examples. <laughs> yes. although, although they kind of confuse us a bit later in another yes, sketch. Yes, there's a few episodes. Okay. 
I, I like um, Santo making him say Benson and Hedges with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and now the showbiz and Madonna has a new sex book out. This is the beginning of a running joke. And uh, it included inside of fantasy shoots of her wearing sexy gear, impersonating Marilyn Monroe and starring in a successful movie, which was a poster of uh, Desperately Seeking Susan. Mm. A fantasy that was never fulfilled. No. <laughs> Evita maybe, but um. And next up, fashion news. Elle McPherson tours the country. I don't have to step out of myself when I'm on camera. Anyway, (laughs) but she 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 would have had to step out of herself with apparently huge crowds wherever she went, touting her latest range of undies. Yes, I was at the Sydney appearance. I have to say, Grace Brothers, Sydney. I was, I was a fan of her work. As a 14-year-old, you actually got around quite a lot. <laughs> so, Mason, you would have been among the crowd of about 3,000, they reckon. Yes, it was pretty crazy. Um, I remember it was on one of the floors of Grace Brothers and it was just packed with people and I caught a small glimpse of her off in the distance because it was I was right down the end of one of the floors, but, you know, I was on the same floor and I was happy. Breathing the same <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the fact that they pointed out that there was a very uh, healthy and clean-shaven Mick Malloy impersonated at the Melbourne location. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, you take him in. He's suspiciously yeah. clean. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy G mentions in this that when <clears throat> Elle came to Myers in Adelaide that she was attacked by a man, and I remember this being quite a big story. I think I think the guy who attacked her was a sort of mentally ill guy or, or something like that, but this... This was a major story on this tour because, again, I think huge numbers of people went to Maya to see her and then this, this guy attacked her. So that, that was the story there. Yeah, according to the um, news desk item, um, yeah, he rushed the stage shouting, Elle's a whore, before oh being God. escorted from the building via a top floor window, uh, as Tom jokes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but in Sydney, uh, Elle threatened to leave the leave if the rowdy crowd didn't settle down but that didn't work and so they decided to call up another speaker you're a pack of assholes <laughs> <laughs> so next bit is uh, a sketch and that is a ship music 23 fm commercial i was wondering with the, the the logo that was made for for this little parody ad here um whether it was like a parody of of any particular station the, the only one i could think of might have been three double t maybe does anybody sort of know double if, t if, FM. If it, oh i'm not sure whether it would have been fm by uh, at that stage i'm gonna have to look <clears> up the logo no, i think it's definitely a piss take of um triple m because, you know, that's where they worked and had to put up with all this endless Elton John crap. Yeah. <laughs> Did it like the old Eon FM logo at all? Uh, well, Eon FM. Nah, that no. had a rock angel. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, that's where the rock angel comes from. Okay. They illustrate um, that they had so much variety uh, from the 70s playing Elton John's Candle in the Wind, the 80s playing Elton John's, I guess, that's why they call it the blues, and uh, to illustrate the 90s, Elton John's You Gotta Love Someone. And they're not afraid to write out by playing even more Elton John. I'm still standing. Well, they had Phil Collins sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Unforgettable. Every 10 minutes. Oh, God. Remember when that song was at the top of the charts for like a year? Just when we thought Brian Adams was <laughs> enough, <laughs> long enough. As soon as you heat those, the do 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 
you know, etc. I'm kind of wondering who might have written this sketch, who, who might have had the, the hatred of uh, radio station management. Because, I mean, they, they really stick the boot in when they have lines like, where excitement and innovation means more out than John. That was basically 90% of Get This was slagging off commercial radio stations on yeah. commercial radio. Yes. So. <clears throat> and that's on those satanic sketches as well, so with uh, Rob as the yeah. announcer. and with Wayne from St Albans calling in. The next scene is The Lounge, and Tony and Mick receive feedback from the song that they performed at the top of the show. They were very happy with that, so probably you know, callers wanting to complain. And uh, they also have another song to perform, and that is... What's all that about? Yeah, <laughs> I'd just like to mention the funny line before they introduce What's All That About, which was, people have been phoning in. Yes, and one of them was complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> this one's iconic, and hell, even another Benton and Hedges reference. Oh, it's got your uh, little crush on John Harrison. Yeah, yes, I love John yeah. Harrison. Yeah, I think from I, the deep end. And he's he was um, also a crush a of uh, my friends and myself. And what, what I was love is that he was one of three priests to appear in this episode. And how funny are, are priests in comedy sketches? They just yeah. guaranteed comedy gold, and he's the first of three. Was John Harrison still your crush um, after being vomited on in that sketch? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. More he's doing hot stuff, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> this song, it's, I think it's very well written. They managed to pack a lot in, in quite a short space of time. I mean, they, they managed to get through nine verses of it. It looked like majority of it was written by Tony because there were very obscure references such as Peter Greenaway, stuff with the uh, cure. Yes. Yeah. The cook, the thief, his wife, her brother, the dentist, the man from up the road, his friend Silvio, their dog, three architects. <laughs> and the <spirit. laughs> Very funny. What's the giant hey, worm? That they has, anyone, has anyone been to the giant worm? What is that? Thing. What's all that about? It, it's one of What's those. It's one of those. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those crappy kind of tourist attractions, a bit like Egg World that we had a few weeks ago on the late show. It, it's, it's literally a worm farm, isn't it? And they've just built a giant worm to kind of, you know, make it a bit more interesting. It, it's somewhere on the outskirts of Melbourne, isn't it? The giant worm. Yeah, they, they seem to shoot uh, it from quite a long way away, which makes me think they might not have had permission. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I've got my own what's all that about. What's all that about? What's all that about? With the line, a speech by John Hewson, after about half an hour, we could feel our belts loosen. What does that mean? No, our bowels. <laughs> our bowels loosen. Oh, our bowels. <laughs> <laughs> I was something really different. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the GST as well, like back when that was a far-fetched um, concept. Oh, yeah, don't talk about baking a cake and stuff. And there's a nice cameo of Jason doing uh, The Cure in Mm. The Cure bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good there. Just just, just looking at who else they uh, they, uh, stick the uh, the boot into. Um, Students take street theatre. Yeah, which is another um, topic that they they return to later in this season. You don't really see students doing street theatre. Well, apart from Extinction Rebellion doing various... um, activities but but it, it used to be a thing in the 80s i think and it sort of died mm. out so after what's all that about we go into staying with the lounge <laughs> uh and it has tony and rob with rob with some partial makeup left over from uh, greg matthews and they're talking about 
what is it? Michael Vetter Price from Hamilton writes in to congratulate the team on a splendid set. Do you, did you, anyone research your name? Or? No. no. Surely it's not real. Uh, isn't Michael Vetter Price as real as uh, Mrs. Scumbag? Mrs. Devadney Scumbag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think the two of them live together in 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 not existing land. Yeah. Yeah. My theory is is that it might be. The name of like a, a mate of the cast or something. Ah, uh, possibly. Uh, yeah. But they reveal that um, the Late Show set is an exact replica of Steve Vizard's bathroom. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know if, if Steve Vizard was sort of famous for living in a big mansion or something, maybe in Turak, but but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Imagine doing your bathroom in that shade of forest green. Oh. <laughs> I love that they then referred to uh, the jinxed area D of the set. Yes. It was such yeah. an elaborate setup for this whole sketch, wasn't it? <laughs> they did show proof with Peter Couples performing and he fell through the floor. Uh, you have Jane in a really bad wig uh, singing in area D as well. And a light falls on her head, that really uh, classic shonky light. But thankfully she was saved by the safety wig she was wearing. Yes. <laughs> and Rob guessed, which, you know, was Rob, and even Tony pointed that out as well when they did the close-up. It's like, geez, it looks a little bit like you. <laughs> yeah. Performing Phantom of the Opera in Area D and the threat of the chandelier falling, but car just slams straight through the wall. A good, good little yeah. misdirection there because they they show this chandelier over a, overhead jiggling like it's going to fall. Yeah. Well, like 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 yes. is uh, like it. It a great fan So would this have been one of those ones where they just recorded it beforehand and just kind of cut away and edited it? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty elaborate. <laughs> yeah. Although, mind you, very, very implausible that they would have Jane just you know seeing. Billy Joel's just the way you are, just for no reason. Unless it was to appease Ross Warnicky, who liked those sort of, you know, for, more, more variety type um, variety. Uh, Yeah. Well, that, that and isn't it interesting to see Peter Couples appearing on The Late Show? Because I don't think I've ever seen him in anything other than Carols by Candlelight. <laughs> so, as far as I'm concerned, Peter Couples had one gig a year and it was Carols by Candlelight. And I have no idea how he survived the rest of the year. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing they they managed to get him as himself, really. That uh, that he uh, said yes to it. It's probably just yeah. hovering around the area, maybe waiting for Sunday arts to start. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the um, light um, hitting Jane on the head looked pretty um, full on, like it looked like it hurt her. Unless they use that sort of technique where they do it really slowly or something. I don't know. It looked, it looked very real. Well, they were using the safety wig. I assume that that meant that there was some, some sort of um, padding underneath <laughs> that or something. I don't know. What's, what is the safety wig? We've got to find that out. My hypothesis, just quickly, is that it might have been like a very lightweight prop made to look like a, a, like a heavy piece of lighting uh, with a bit of um, pyrotechnics attached to it. Aaron Becker specialty. Exactly. Uh, the next sketch is how to film your wedding or how to video your wedding and uh, you know, they demonstrate on how to film your special day with all the what not to do. There's just many cliches and everything like that and Santo just absolutely having fun with, with his JVC VCR camcorder. It's his time to shine there with his uh, favourite video recorder. Yep. <laughs> he said in an interview and- once how how he sort of started getting the confidence to start filming his own sketches was because he'd had to video all of his Italian family's weddings. So this this is always coming out of him 
habits of kind of messing up recording different weddings. And so you see him climbing over members of the congregation, sitting in their pews. You know, he's he's put the camera in the wrong place, so he's completely blocked by them as they stand up. You know, um, he, he ends up climbing over parts of the, the church, hanging off balconies and, and bits of wood finish and so forth. So, you know, it's it's a if you've ever been asked to video um, anything for for any event, which which I have on a couple of occasions, you know, these are all the things that genuinely happen to you and cause your your recording to just completely be messed up. So I, I was laughing at this quite knowingly. Yeah, I remember being about 14 and actually filming a cousin's wedding with a little camcorder. And I, I thought it actually turned out to be better than the professionals, in my humble opinion, because you need <laughs> angles and things that you never normally would. So I, I think it was actually quite a success, successful video for Sergeant. This is really, it's a very traditional sketch, this one. I think m- most of the jokes are sort of by the numbers, but I, I do like the sort of end tag of the sketch, which is, that um, yeah, wedding tape is something you want to hold on to forever. Make sure you label and store it otherwise, and then you basically see the, the wedding footage uh, cut to the footy. Yeah. <laughs> Always remove the But tab. I think it's a, it's a brilliant example of some of Santo's best pratfalls. Like, he's got the, the best physical comedy in the business, this guy. Like, the footage of him, like, kicking Mick in the head as he's climbing over the pews is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will. I will give it that then. Yeah. Does anyone recognise Jane's dad that walks her down the aisle? Because he looks very familiar, but I can't. I can't pick him. Has he been used in other sketches? I just. I don't know who he was, but um, I think yeah. it's like worthy of note that um, Rob looks very jealous as a best man, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving Jason the stink eye. We're used to seeing that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people listed in the closing credits, and hmm. I like it's a bit hard to tell whether they're in this sketch or the previous. What's all that about? I don't know. None, none of their names currently came up in IMDb. My favourite line in this sketch was, "This is not good. This is even worse, and this is just plain foolhardy." <laughs> <laughs> The next segment is Sink the Slipper, and the guest is Prime Minister Paul Keating. This is uh, one of the best bits of it. Can I go on record as saying that's probably the most powerful butt in the country? Well, if you put it like that, I'm just glad we're standing back here, Mick. That's all I can say. At a safe distance. Here you go. Our, our first part, Jack, on Sink the Slipper, folks. Thank you very much. First of many. It's been a while. They sell it even more by having flashing on screen gratuitous fart joke, gratuitous fart joke. <laughs> Just after that, they say, drink in the magic of the butt. <laughs> hilarious. And they also I, say, the butt kicking we had to have. That's a great line. That is a great line. I was just going to say the the trousers worn by the butt, I don't think there's any. I'm just going to put that out there. So, you know, they're not semi trousers, so it, it can't really be Paul Keating. So not, not no Italian suit? <laughs> no. Uh, many reasons why he was up for the getting the up the Kyber is because of the recession, claiming the recession was over, grabbing the majesty. Yeah, it wasn't that one very interesting. Claiming to be a Collingwood supporter but has never been near the suburb. Also the crap cartoons and, and when Mick goes in for the kick, he does one backwards and goes, hey, he's negative gearing. <laughs> I, I like the bit where they go, he won't go bowling with us. Oh, hang on, that's the other program. 
Yeah. What was that? What, what was that a reference to? Yeah, please. Uh, it's, well, Andrew Andrew Denton's program at the time oh. he would get Paul Keating to go bowling with him, and this was yeah. a long run. And Paul Keating would never accept the invitation to go bowling with Andrew Denton. So, so this is, I guess, another of those jokes about how um, Tony Martin looks like Andrew Denton. So yeah, that, that's that, that's in reference to the program Live and Sweaty. And from memory, I think Paul Keating did go on that show, but didn't do the bowling. What a killjoy! Mm. So, but he did get his complimentary sink the slipper T-shirt, ah, unless it has a gift tax on it. If anyone listening is wanting to do late show merchandise, I would happily buy a T-shirt that says "I got my butt kicked on sink the slipper." So there's a market <laughs> of maybe one, but um, well, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of other sketches made into merchandise. Well, here's the thing: we all love. Since, uh, as you're a passionate listener, and would you buy a coffee mug with Warnicky or Pedantry printed on it? <laughs> yes, 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 I would. All right, there's something to consider. We've got some merch ideas coming up. <laughs> yeah, you could just do a black, a black mug, and in, in white late show writing, it could just say Warnicky or, or Pedantry on it. The next sketch is Jane's Love Life Update. And Tom takes Jane out dating again, and uh, this time it's to the movies, the drive-in. Ellie and Charlie make a guest appearance. I mean, that is the joke of the sketch, isn't it? That the dogs are in the car, and really, it's just comedy gold. I couldn't think of a worse thing going on a date with with their two dogs. Stuck in the car. <laughs> well, they're, they're smelly dogs as well, and the dogs get all the food. Tommy yeah. did the, the dogs get to eat it all. As the library says that the, she's been swimming in the gully trap. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's another bit where he says, "Oh, hang on, I'm just going to apply some cream to Charlie's rash." You know, just, just to make it even better on his yeah. boy bits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this is this is a sequel to when Tom took Jane out to the Greyhounds in episode three. So it's this really sort of weird fascination with dogs Tom has. You know, nothing says romance other than seeing Lethal Weapon 3 at the cinema. Yeah, driving. They had had quite a big choice because I I paused the video and, um, yeah, you you had a choice of in Theatre 1, Lethal Weapon 3 and Doc Hollywood, or in Theatre 2 you had A League of Their Own and Hook. (laughs) (laughs) So I would have picked Theatre 2 definitely with Hook. Oh, I would have gone A League of Their Own. Yeah. That's actually a good movie. That's a Madonna film, is it not? Yeah. 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 Do, do, do you reckon that, that might have been her most successful? Evita, maybe? Evita. I mean, I don't know. It, Evita, yeah. It's mm. desperately seeking Susan, Dick, Tracy, or Evita, isn't it, really, for Madonna's I'd say, I'd say Evita. Didn't she get nominated as something for an... It's amazing how cheap uh, the drive-in was in 1992. One half and one invalid for 13 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just give a big shout out to to Tommy G's date outfit, which is which is a saggy jumper and a tie, which you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would anyone, would any of the the women in this room date a man dressed like that, even in 1992? <laughs> no, <laughs> that that and he's as well as a car that's full of yeah. you know dogs and everything he's got fairy seat covers you know that that's a red flag as far as i'm concerned how's the whole shonky um 
tricks to try and get it to sit in the back with him. Like that is just oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> It's on the level of the kind of the yawn and then the arm goes round. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's really Charlie who ruins this whole date because of course the, the climax of the sketch is that it turns out he's eaten her handbag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I don't think there's gonna be a third date from memory. And that why would did Chico roll fart? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) the next sketch is now this is fantastic this is very python-esque isn't it when they're all dressed up (laughs) as the australian netball team in the locker room (laughs) after a really bad game and jane as the coach and the guys are dressed up in women's netball clothing and some amazing wig going on here you know some really really crazy dreadful female wigs that they're wearing yeah my favorite was tom's with the pigtails (laughs) yeah (laughs) And one of them's sort of like quite puffy up top as well. Like it's really puffy and, and bouffant. Oh, you oh, had just and Mick had hair. this weird oh. sort of thick headband. Jason, who played Deirdre, and he was asked <laughs> how to block in netball properly. And so he does it and then the coach goes, oh, then why did you headbutt? <laughs> so Santo was Leone and the umpire sent her off for a tech foul, which is a way to describe eye gouging. <laughs> She did have her foot grounded on the floor, but it was on the goalkeeper's chest. So a lot of this was quite visual. And you have uh, Tom as Nicole wearing uh, some jewellery on court, which were knuckle dusters. But no, 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 they were engagement rings. And a beautiful... <laughs> well, that, that, that and also the, the whole gang going... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. beautiful is like the trigger word for jane isn't it because you know all this kind of you're a very beautiful woman jane and all this you know it's, it seems to be the word that's guaranteed to make her laugh especially it triggers fiona i told you no automatic weapons but i'm goal shooter <laughs> <laughs> the only unfortunate thing is that tony is nowhere to be seen in this sketch which is a pity because I, I would have liked to have seen him as a woman Mm. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen his bare knees. <laughs> Again. <laughs> we, saw them, we saw them in the Dubbo Globetrotters, didn't we? We saw quite a few of their knees. It's time for... <laughs> the Olden Days, Episode 12, Internal Investigation. Oh, now, this one is just pure... <laughs> Waterkey bashing. This is pretty much catharsis for the crew. So you had uh, the guy who... Was an automatic teller machine. Great, great, great <laughs> visual. Just start poking him and then the noises. Yep. Yeah, the beep, beep, beep. Seems... You seem to be out of order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a miner. I am an ATM. And then you think, well, how can it be an ATM? And then <laughs> the poking starts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was, it was like the funniest setup. It contains one of my favourite jokes in, in Mud, which is the mystifying cutaways um, Oh, joke. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's when Front Bottom was reading the review of the olden days. Yes. Yeah, and where everything he described actually happened, you know, especially with uh, Olden just standing there swilling tea. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> with, that, with that look, it's like, like a double take. <laughs> it's like, what? I've been caught? <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, front bottom uh, gets approached uh, by, I think it was Hatstrap. You couldn't find the riding crop, but there are four suspects out there to conduct internal body searches. Guess who's got the, the riding crop? It, it's Warnerkey, of course. Warnerkey! <laughs> <laughs> the names of, of the other suspects 
uh, there's Oliver, which um, is for Robin Oliver, who wrote for the Sydney Morning Herald. I'm oh. not sure who Mikake and Titleborn uh, were, but I assume they're also names of um, people who didn't care much for the show. There was no Fidgen. <laughs> there was no Fidgen. No. No. Uh. Yeah, no, that one was yeah pure revenge, really, to the critics. He eventually finds it, but he also demands to be taken seriously, and so he decides to organise a Reg Gorman look-alike contest for the next episode. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, uh, Reg Gorman, uh, best known for his role as uh, Jack Fletcher in The Sullivans. If you uh, watch this on the DVD, which doesn't have any of the crappy VHS uh, quality or uh, audience noise. There's some excellent sound work here with the snapping of the rubber gloves and the um, <laughs> the, the the sound of the internal investigation. It's it's quite mm. a thing to behold listening with headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also enjoy the line "Old Mister Tight Pants," which you know I, I certainly enjoy. Yes, I really enjoyed that. I had it written down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was a yeah, it was a fantastic reaction from the audience um, when those tight pants were revealed. Next is Countdown Classics and the Countdown Audience Participation Quiz. So you have to name the keyboard player from Sherbert. Oh, okay, fine. I'll say the answer then. Garth Porter. <laughs> Yeah. And, and the prize was a polywaffle, which is exciting. They had 12 polywaffles and three whiz to give away. Yeah. Why is this man looking nervous? And they show a screenshot of a, of a sea captain, and that was because he was standing in front of the village people. Now, the pop singer William Shakespeare, he had two hits, My Little Angel and Can't Stop Loving You. And what was his third single? And that was where they went to the audience and someone goes, was it last night? And guess who it was? It was William Shakespeare. Yay. In the outfit as well. He's in the outfit. In the glam rock outfit, yeah. As Tom says, how spontaneous is this? <laughs> yeah. They bring him down onto the stage and they said, come and sit on the celebrity beanbag. And so they, they've got yeah. a certain beanbag. Just for- <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. this distinctively. Like I watched this episode on TV live because I was watching it in a lounge room with my dad. Dad was on the lounge and then with all the roars and applause and stuff like that. And my dad's a major music nerd. When I said, oh, who's this guy? Um, I don't see him in any of your record collections. He goes, oh, he had a couple of hits in the 70s. Something bad happened and then he left the industry. So, and yeah, it was, I, I guess this was probably the, once again, the peak or possibly the rescuing of his career. But it went nowhere, unfortunately, and he's got a really sad story. He became destitute in the 2000s and yeah, passed away in 2010. If you haven't heard of William Shakespeare from The Late Show, you would have heard him on the Martin Malloy albums because they do make reference to William Shakespeare living out of his car on Poop Shoot, disc two, track three. The headlights are on, but nobody's home. So, but... When you reflect back on it now, it's just like, oh, that's it's, it's so tragic because it was in regards to Demi Moore's mum living out of the car as well and they are saying, you know, they should hook up and stuff like that. But then when you uh. find out the background behind, uh, yeah, it's not pretty. I actually feel really bad now for hating on this part of this episode. I used uh, it as my toilet so break and left the room and now I feel horrible. <laughs> well, this was his last shot. At- it could have been his major comeback and you could see that he was trying to hold on to it as much as possible. I will admit it's it's probably like they, they, they try and interview him before he, he gets to his song and it's, it's not the best interview really. I mean, 
like Tom asks, what were your mem- memories of those glorious days? And William just repeats, oh, glorious days. There's an edge to the interview, isn't there? Like, you know, he he's either really nervous or, or you know, he just he just doesn't know what to say or whatever. He's he's out of practice or something. And and it's only when he starts singing that he he feels he seems comfortable. You know, yeah, he, so he's, he's a lot better there, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what his personal circumstances are, but you can see that he's a guy who's obviously been through some stuff. You well, know, there, there is that edge to it. Sadly, though, this whole segment seemed to be endless and totes awkward. And the, thank God it was saved by this hilarious um, pash that <laughs> Tom did with Jane. Yeah. He got the pash that he didn't get on his dates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was almost expecting there was going to be an Area D style incident. With uh, <laughs> I was thinking it's got to happen. It's got to be an end to this. What's, what is this? The next sketch is oh, it's one of your favourites. It's over the top furniture removals. Yay! Yes, but with Rob substituting for Tony. So much uh, Aaron Bocare uh, gold in here as well in terms of stunt work and cutting mm. tables in half to fit them in, and yeah, chopping down chandeliers and carefully catalogue every item. I.e., they just kind of you know chuck it into a box. <laughs> Hey, it's time for the Spaz Family. Hijinks are plenty as the Spaz Family go to Hawaii. It's pandemonium where sniffer dogs tear Neville's piano accordion to pieces. Will he find a replacement in time? Aloha, Spaz Family. (laughs) I know you guys have spoken about the Spaz Family before, but gee, I wish there was more of them. I I want to know their backstory. And this seems to be sort of, uh, I assume that this is riffing on the Brady Bunch going to Hawaii. I don't know if there were any other TV families that also went to Hawaii, but um, I can only think of uh, the Bradys for this. Yeah, and wasn't mm. it in the 90s as well that Channel 10 were just inundating the general public with Brady Bunch repeats? Yeah, I remember watching oh, yeah. the Brady Bunch early 90s. The next segment is Commercial Crime Stoppers with Mick and Santo. And there's comedy duos. You know, who would you think of? There's Laurel and Hardy, Lewis and Martin, Greg Evans and Unka from Sweden. <laughs> There's a good solid 80s reference there. Yeah, and the Blakeney twins, Mick's favourite. (laughs) Or the Melbourne car supermarket duo. And yeah, try like trying their best to try and inject a bit of humour into what's a pretty stock standard ad, really. Santo's giving tips. They need to work on their chemistry in juxtaposition. Uh, You know, straight man, funny man, like the light factory. Here's a tell you how to get a carton of lights real cheap. And it's your shout, mate. Look, metal spots. Fifteen. A lousy five bucks. And this steel house fitting. A lousy five bucks. I'm a Sydney cider, and when I saw this, it reminded me of the Lua Doers carpets commercials where it was the father and son duo and then every time the son will say something and then the dad will go, son, tell him the price. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember being from Adelaide. I remember the ads for the light factory, Adelaide's own light factory. Um, I, don't, I don't quite remember these exact ones, but they were quite a prolific advertiser in the era and, yeah, they were definitely in the crappy um, category <laughs> of, of local ads. One thing I did like about that segment was just how funny men duo sometimes don't get along and the Light Factory guy has gone alone all of a sudden and he's Mr. Versatility. So he not only just says, uh, 
<laughs> he basically says a lousy five dollars, and he's also the straight man, and he's talking about the normal prices as well. Like a lousy five bucks. <laughs> of course, uh, reminds me of what happened this week when uh, Tony Martin was actually featured on the Malloy show in a brief uh, promotional segment. Yes, it was uh, to promote Sizzletown. What happened on on the Malloy show was well, this was on the podcast that I listened to. Was they they played a clip from the latest Sizzletown because obviously Matt Dower works on both programs, but they'd actually done that last year as well on Kennedy Malloy. They played a clip from Sizzletown, so so it, it it's the second time it's happened. What what I kind of assumed from the tweets that I originally read was that Tony was on Malloy, and and sadly he wasn't. It was just the clip of him. But mm. but yeah, maybe the funny man feud is cooling down a bit. Well, yeah, it just also shows that us fans, yes, us, uh, we take a lot of things to the face value of as soon as we see something, we go, oh, it's happened, it's finally happened because we want that mm. kind of closure. But Pizza mm. flying. Yeah, exactly like Harry yeah. Shearer. Yeah, he tweeted mm. all about that saying, you know, oh, I just saw a pig fly. Yeah, but Tony no. did tweet about it. He acknowledged at least. He said, oh, yes, that was me. And then everyone thought, oh, it actually was him, but it was a clip of him. But at least he did tweet about that. It's what all- we need is for him to be a guest on Malloy, and then I think we can call this feud done with. Yeah. It's like with the Logies, you know, when Tony was doing the announcing and then because Mick and Jane were there, and so people go, oh, well, Tony mentioned Mick at all, and it, Tony did, and it's like, oh, that means the feud's over. It's like he's only just mentioning the name. It not means he's going to meet him on stage and give him a handshake or anything like that. It's, it just means that he's being professional. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But we, we, all, we all wait in hope that they will one day shake hands and embrace and have a nice chat together. That would be lovely. The next scene is Tony on the lounge and he's talking about Prince's new album that 25,000 copies were stolen from the warehouse. And that was the Love Symbol album. Wow, that was, that was the, the, the start of that weird chapter in Prince's life. The Taylor Swift of his day. He's <laughs> known as Prince, yeah. My favourite bit of that was the freaked out flower children and how they yeah, were that was just what I was going to say. Another slag off of Sophie Lee, who was who was a member of the Freaked Out Freaked Out Flower Children, who of course later became Mick's girlfriend. Yeah, because Sophie was dating Gumpy at the time. Yes, <laughs> Gumpy. Yeah, the, the, the guy who is known on the Best Bits DVD as the subliminal messaging. Uh, now, there's something obscure for you. you that know, is very obscure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It was the one where Charlie <laughs> ran it. You know, in the behind the scenes of the ABC studios. And in the DVD release, you see like a one second flash, or not even one second, like one about, frame. Yeah, a frame of uh, all about, you know, if you want to complain or fight against the rights against subliminal messaging, write to this address. And it was a picture of Gumpy from Freaked Out Flower Children on there. <laughs> While Tony's there, he's talking to Jace, and Jace introduces with Tony the natural seven singing girls, girls, girls. Thank heaven. I yeah. felt so awkward watching this. It was all <laughs> kind of yeah. It, it is super awkward, but but the guy with the deep voice gets a, a great big laugh, which is which sort of releases some of the tension of, of what, what is a <laughs> creepy song. But you know, big shout out, creepy. 
Yeah, it, it is super creepy, and and especially the woman wearing the the short shorts, the white short shorts with the knee high socks. You know, big shout out to her for fashion crimes there. What's that, Debbie Byrne? <laughs> yeah, it looked like Debbie yeah. Byrne. Yeah, Debbie yeah, Byrne's a part of the Natural Seven. Uh, that would have been her then. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind the the start of this when they're yeah. when they're seeing Girls, 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 which was originally by Sailor. Then they mash it up with Thank Heavens for Little Girls. <laughs> who was yeah. the bloke at the start john mcgelly someone that introduced the song and he goes i distinctly remember what little boys think about <laughs> it's like, oh, that is just horrible who are you <laughs> <laughs> i was scared from that moment and yeah couldn't, couldn't watch yeah i'm sorry mason that's now made the promo distinctly remembering what little boys think about don't want to know I don't have to step out of myself when I'm on camera I think that's probably one of the biggest differences between acting and modern yeah yeah shut up <laughs> see, see the fourteen-year-old Mason who who went to see Elle McPherson. That that's well, fourteen-year-old boys think about it anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whereas you know, fourteen-year-old girls were thinking about Mick Malloy and Tom Gleisner and. <laughs> <laughs> or John Harrison. Yeah, John yeah. Harrison, Tony, <laughs> all of them, all of them. Yes. All right, and there's a news special with Tommy G. And new laws governing the keeping of dangerous dogs. Dogs may be shot on sight, but they might have to wear a special collar. And Tom wears the collar and gets shot at. So that's a very visual joke, and <laughs> it was well worth the explosion of the glass on the desk, wasn't it? You can you can see Tommy sort of like looking off camera, sort of going like, "That was a bit too much, Aaron." <laughs> <laughs> it looked intense. It did. But this is where uh, Jace goes on the road to chat with uh, Mr. Barry Grogan, Mick, uh, who is a breeder and president of the Love is a Killer Dog Australia group and who has a very dangerous dog, very vicious, a Maltese Terrier. That goes on about how dangerous Maltese Terriers are. I like the line about how- you know, gangs have them as mascots. You know, Maltese terriers for for like bikey gangs. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just thought the end bit with Jason backing up against the fence and the Maltese terrier come in for a cuddle, and he's getting more and more frightened as he edges away. <laughs> it's just such a, a great sort of juxtaposition of just this this these very inoffensive dogs. Um, yeah, uh, everybody pretending like they're um, ruthless killers. And like, the, the the other bit I, I like in this is they they conduct some vox pops with, as far as I can tell, real members of the general public, and it's 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 quite obvious that they've that the uh, people have been asked what they think about dangerous dogs like you know Rottweilers and Alsatians and that sort of thing, um, and yeah they 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 just show on a on a clipboard the the, the Maltese Terrier and it's just like you can you can tell it's all been taken out of context but it's done just to to great comic effect. The next sketch is St Michael's Handy Church and it's the confession drive through, which is one of the most popular sketches around yeah they were, they were really forward thinking in these uh, COVID times weren't they who knew oh, yeah. but this was one of uh, if anyone uh, grew up 
in a Catholic environment like I did, this was one of those ones that just made you laugh because you just knew this was just how, how it went. And yeah. <laughs> you just get your penance and you just drive off and you forget about it. It's just uh, the different sins that you could do. Um, seven deadly sins with a lot. But he also he, he got that and he also got various other ones like murder and adultery. I can't remember which ones he chose. But <laughs> <laughs> how do you do double? It must have been very busy. Do you want guilt with that? No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and then there was the, the classic line that all said, uh, body of Christ, that'll be nice. <laughs> I was impressed that they were able to find a church which had a sort of drive-through window equivalent. You know, I, I imagine not many churches have got that combination of a driveway going right past the church and, and a sort of window thing that they can open. So they must have done a lot of location scouting for that. Mind you, there's, there's also a lot of um, uh, height between the window uh, uh, on the building and the window of the car. Like, it's almost like um, uh, Tony has to sort of uh, lean half of his body out to try and to get the host to Mick. Is that a bit off? <laughs> oh, very mildly, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's quite a blasphemous sketch. So, like, I'm prepared to give them leeway, you know. Fair enough. So, so we need a thing that says blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite a lot of blasphemy. We've got our new segment. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is just going to be so full of grabs and less talk. Yeah, less talk, more grabs. Yes. (laughs) The next segment is Graham and the Colonel, and they've got a big agenda, huge agenda. Yeah, and and they they start off with another jab at Sylvania Waters. Yeah, every time consciousness. Basically, every time Nolene drinks, you drink too. Yeah, you're going to end up catatonic. (laughs) There was also the colonel went to Tony Gregg's 46th birthday and uh, it was nearly up to his half century. (laughs) (laughs) Just a humorous jive there to prove we're more than just a couple of dour individuals talking about the serious side of sport and that we're capable of an odd occasional light-hearted play on words. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Uh, um, there was a whole, whole bunch of gags in this, like, you know, um, did he cut the cake with a knife? No, he put his key in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that amused me. That, that and some of the guests who were at, at his party, I think Chelsea Brown was there and, and the whole top row of blankety blanks as well. So. I do like how with that grab, um, it's sort of a bit similar to the um, to the the actual reference to champagne comedy much later on. How they sort of they they, they seem to make a lot out of a, a cheap throw throwaway gag. Oh yeah, the, the, and the fact that um, you know a lot of the jokes they in, especially in this one they'll throw it out there they wouldn't laugh or something like that and they'll go stop, let it sink, it's sunk. <laughs> yeah. <I> love that. <laughs> Other sporting events that Greg Norman pulls out of World Match Play Tournament. He has a problem with his swing. After he does this, swings and then shakes his head. <laughs> That's about yeah. Stop, let it sink, it's sunk. <laughs> and the Australian Indoor Tennis Championships. He doesn't think he's watching tennis until he hears the squeaky shoe sound. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the Jim Richards uh, to his 1,000 serve. You're a pack of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so funny that that ever happened. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the episodes where they start doing the G'day, it's John Blackman here from Telecom Mobile Net because <laughs> they do that and... You're a pack of assholes. There's a running joke throughout. <laughs> Sorry, too much forward looking at that one. Speaking of hey, hey, we have a, a guest um, on this segment, don't we? Is yes. similar to someone? Oh. Yes, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis Elbow. <laughs> Voiced by Tony Martin, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, when, when it's they, a, it's a Mickey knee parody, basically. It's, it's such a, a crap gag that uh, Tony, as Dennis, uh, puts out. Uh, is it true what they say about Dean Lucan that he's, you know, a weightlifter? Stop. Let yeah, it sink. It's it's do like the one about uh, the Colonel's body pillow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a cheap version full of briquette. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they said, how is it? And they're going, well, it's better than this segment. <laughs> yes. Oh, but then Santo drops a clanger and says, playing like a insert terrible word. Oh yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 to to do with some sort of a, a, a grand chess match uh, with Bobby Fisher, and yeah, they they don't mention the other person, but um, I'm trying to think of a euphemism for this, but I can't. No, you um, don't need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just back yeah. in time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. closing time now, and on the couch, they invite the audience to make your own Sylvania Waters ending, and that's by filming your parents having an argument, and Santo plays a demo. And it's just him filming his Italian family. Yeah, and you're you're always criticizing my dressing gown and the wallpaper. Does <laughs> <laughs> anyone speak Italian? Was that actually what they were saying? My my dad's side of the family is Italian, but I, I I'm not proficient in Italian, unfortunately. A traitor to my heritage, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and like it's sort of like it's a bit sort of fifty fifty. Like obviously, um, the, the the two people's names are not Lorienzo and Noelina. <laughs> right. <laughs> Noelina wants her vino, and then the, you know, taken away from her. <laughs> I, I, I also I, I, I don't think either of them said I want at least 500 guests at my wedding <laughs> I think it was 600 yeah. <laughs> so many guests oh. at the end of it Santo says oh I'm the member of the family who refused to be in it and this is a reference oh, to yeah. one of uh, Nolene's Nolene's daughter actually um, which she mentions in this book <laughs> just before filming starts it was literally the day that the cameras um, were coming in to start filming um, on the kitchen bench was a note from her daughter Joanne saying mum I don't want to do this ABC thing and it's going to be impossible to live here while it's on so I'm moving out for six months I'll see you tomorrow love Joanne and she raced into her room opened the drawers and wardrobes and it was true everything was pretty much cleared out and she was apparently quite hysterical and the first day of filming was also that day and it was a disaster and she was heartbroken and she had all of that to cope with with all the cameras apparently so yeah that is shocking that is as shocking as that uh story of laurie shoving the garden hose down. <laughs> <laughs> like, surely, what if your kid said, I can't handle this, I'm going to have to move out for six months? That would be your, That would be it. That would be the deal breaker. You'd be like, uh, yeah, I think we better not do this. 
it's like one of the one of the Osborns refused to be filmed when they they did the Osborne docky soap. Yeah. So so obviously you know the the Donahers were were the first to to do that to have a member who refused to be filmed. Unbelievable! Yeah. Goodness me. Oh, so sorry, yeah, another sorry. another sort of thing um, uh, coming off the heels of the uh, Burt Newton Art Prize. Yeah, you know, suddenly it's it's uh, do it yourself Sylvania Waters, and uh, as as Tom says, all it requires is mum, dad, an argument, and your mum to drink a fair bit. <laughs> Closing credits time. And what was Michael Hirsch's job for the day? He was uh, street seeker coordinator. There we go. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, there was another comedy credit, which was introducing John Harrison. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, anyone spotted that one? Mm. <laughs> yeah, no he was the... necessary. Yeah. yeah. And... So, yeah, he was the softly spoken priest in What's All That About? What's All That About? Um, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> what was it again? What's All That About? Uh, we also had uh, Peter Couples as himself in the Cursed Area D. Uh, What's All That About? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, also, William Shakespeare um, as himself in Countdown Classics. Then we had a whole bunch of other people. I have not been able to find out anything about them as to where they are in this episode, but we had uh, Liam Beatty, Richard Fear, Michael Freeman, Kate Cantor, Peter Labser, Orlando Parente, and I quite like this cre- uh, credit, Colonel CJ and Mrs. J. McCarthy. So we had the Colonel and the Lady Colonel. Oh, <laughs> there you go. And I've got no idea who they are, but I would like to think that they were the old couple at the end of What's All That About ringing into complaints. Ah. <laughs> What's all that about? <laughs> What's all that about? We've also got, uh, uh, I, again, this, this might be a bit of pedantry. Uh, we get to see William Shakespeare one more time, uh, giving out the number to call for tickets, along with uh, Jane singing along to My Little Angel. Yeah, doing a really great job. Mm. Which, if you lived anywhere but Melbourne, as you guys have said before, you wouldn't have seen any of this stuff before. So right. when I can see this stuff, it's just like this awesome little grab from back in the day. To us, yeah, it's so like an Easter egg. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, that does wrap up Season 1, Episode 12 of The Late Show, as well as this podcast. And I might as well make this quick because we'll still get some more prizes coming in. We do have uh, some prizes donated by Alison on their way to Australia at the moment. So as long as the <laughs> any questions for Ben DVD doesn't open up magically after impatience and frustration, here are the entries of making the your best Late Show quote. I made love to her like a tiger. Like a tiger. Uh, good day from uh, Dominic. How are you? No, miss. Mister. Ladies and gentlemen, do you believe in mental telepathy? No, I hear you think. You can say what you want about me. I may be ugly, but at least I'll never be as ugly as an angular Weber. You're a pack of assholes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that, that that's what you are if you don't enter this competition. <laughs> you just have to hear that over and over. Uh, but if you do <laughs> enter it, you know. <laughs> hey, there's plenty of more entries. Like you can even quote one of the grabs. Like a lousy five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Plenty more where they came from. So, yeah, shoot us an email, champagnelateshow at gmail.com or send us a tweet at TLS Champagne or visit our website, champagnecomedy.com. Hit up the forum. It's still active, just. <laughs> so, uh, and you can fall over any minute. Yeah, like yeah, bloody spam bots. And uh, also <laughs> hit us up on Facebook as well at the Late Show page So or fb.com forward slash champagne comedy. So not the... Stephen Colbert one or anything that does get mistaken sometimes for that that show, all because people don't really look at the pictures and go, "Oh, this is not Stephen Colbert; it's some other dodgy Australian oh. comedy show from the nineties." That's not why our our um, ratings, our, our downloads are actually quite high. No, listeners. Actually, well, I, I, I wonder if uh, Colbert gets uh, all of this obscure 1990s material coming into his Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yeah. the entries—they've all just gone to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and Colbert's reading all this thing there. What's all that about? And then when he works it out, he'll just say, "You're a pack of assholes." That's going to get a good use, that's for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, Mason. It's been fantastic to have uh, someone such as yourself on board. Uh, as long as all of us uh, nerds can kind of join together and talk shit, really, all about a great <laughs> comedy show in the nineties. That uh, if it was all released in full today on iView, it wouldn't last. And it's the reason why we're doing this podcast. So thank you, Mason. Thank, thank you for having me, everyone. You guys do a great job. Keep it up. Love it. And the Instagram Thanks. account that you run again? I can't, I can't even remember the handle myself. It's Late Show Champagne Comedy something. I don't know. I'm trying to rip off whatever you guys do already. Look, look up. <laughs> <laughs> Just look up Stephen Colbert on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you again very much, Alison, Kim, Prue and Daniel for joining the Champagne Comedy Podcast again. We'll see Bye. you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.